Hey, how's it going, Keith? How are you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Doing well. Welcome, everybody, to the Laura Antonio Sports Talk Podcast Show. I'm your host, Laura Antonio. Today on our MLB show, we're going to preview today's Dodgers Rocky series and then preview the, uh, Rock, the Dodgers and Cardinals series and then the Mets recap that game against the Marlins before we recap their upcoming Met, their series. And then for the NFL, Falcon Saints, reaction to the Demarcus Lawrence contract extension. And then for the NBA, uh, preview NBA Sunday time. Uh, for today's Dodgers Rockies game. Today we got Julio Urias taking the belt mound today as he goes up against Chad Bennett. We talked about this last week. Let's expect the Dodgers to go out there and get the sweep over the Rockies and then head into St. Louis feeling really good. Yeah, I think that's I, I think that's definitely the the ultimate plan here. Obviously getting the sweep against a, a solid division rival uh gives you a lot of momentum going forward into a game where you're gonna be playing Another team in the St. Louis Cardinals who is going to be right smack in the middle of that playoff hunt. Really solid middle of the lineup when you talk about uh, Matt Carpenter and Paul Goldschmidt, probably one of the better one-two punches in the middle of the order in baseball. And then they got some pretty solid arms in that rotation. Obviously, you're going to have to face that wicked one-two out of the bullpen with uh, Andrew Miller and Jordan Hicks. Uh, so definitely, I think getting this sweep is going to provide you a lot of momentum and especially needed on, you know, getting on getting on a road trip as well, um, you know, really, really helps the team morale, uh, you know, going forward. Absolutely. And then re- let's give me a brief recap of what happened with the Mets Nationals games. The Nationals took two out of three from the Mets and the Mets fall to six and three. But talk about yesterday's game when the Mets had a thrilling come from behind one in the bottom of the eighth inning. Yeah, a lot of really, really love to see that early on, the resilience, um, especially from a, a team, you know, littered with some young guys in that lineup. Um, you know, Pete, uh, Pete Alonzo gets another home run. Uh, and then Robinson Cano with just one, probably one of the farthest balls I've ever seen hit uh, at, at City Field, um, other than Freddie Freeman hit a ball over toward that, uh, over toward the, um, over toward that bridge area where Cano did, and then Stanton's hit a couple of monster shots. Um, but, you know, you certainly love to see that. The bullpen is, is uh, for the most part, doing a really solid job uh, coming up late in games. Edwin Diaz has been lights out uh, so far early on this season. I expect that to continue. Nothing, uh, I expect nothing less from him. Um, I'm just really, really happy about what I've been seeing offensively. I mean, the, obviously the main problem, over the last couple of years has been the fact that there's just no run support to, you know, support that really, really solid pitching. Um, but now they seem to have a formidable lineup. They seem to have guys that are pretty consistent that can go out there and every day and produce. And it's, it's very, I'll tell you something. It's, it's really, really refreshing. It is very refreshing. So the Mets tomorrow have an off day and then tomorrow and then Tuesday and Wednesday, they have a two game set with the Minnesota twins. So that might be another split for the Mets right there. But I think the Mets, the toughest test is when they have to go down to Atlanta to take on the Braves for a four-game series, and then they have to play the Phillies next week for a three-game series in Philadelphia. Yeah, they have a, yeah, they have a really tough schedule coming up. That's a, that's a really, really big, uh, really, really big uh, you know, interdivision road trip right there where you have to go down to Atlanta, then back up to Philadelphia, all games that – uh, you know, I expect them to come ready for. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to throw out the expectation of sweeping uh, those series, but those are games that you know you have to win. 
Um, just because early on you want to establish that you're real. You know, this kind of happened last year with the Mets where they started off really hot, 11-1, and one, and then they just kind of, you know, they, they began to, to slowly fade as, as they usually do. Um, so, you know, you, you come out in these series with these teams where, you know, the Braves are getting off to a little bit of a rocky start. Uh, the Phillies have been looking pretty solid so far, so that's definitely a matchup that you're going to want to win. Um, but you just want to show that, you know, you, you can be a legitimate contender and have longevity, you know, longevity in your success this year as opposed to last year. Often Justin Turner will hit second. Kari Seeger hits third. AJ Pollock hitting fourth. Cody Bellinger hitting fifth. David will bat sixth, surprisingly, because of his good numbers against Chad Bettis. Enrique Kike Hernandez bats seventh. Surprised that Russell Martin's not today because I felt like he should catch Julio Urias, but instead it's Austin Barnes that will do the catching for Julio Urias today as he'll bat ninth and do the pitching. And for the Rockies, Blackman leads off, Story hits second, Arenado hits third, David Gole hits fourth, Mark Reynolds hits fifth, Ian Desmond hits sixth, Chris Iannetta hits seventh, then Garrett Hampson hits eighth, and Chad Bettis hits ninth. Yeah, um, I, I, you know, should be a, should be a pretty solid game today. I feel like for Urias, um, you know, going up against a, a really solid lineup. Obviously, um, you know, I one thing that I think kind of plays a little bit for him, um, you know, four hitter right smack in the middle. David Dahl, he's a lefty, so you're gonna have to, you know, he he's gonna be able to, you know, get into that middle of the lineup and know that he's got that match, you know, that favorable matchup, uh, lefty on lefty in that four spot, a real big spot where you want to try to drive in runs. Um, obviously, as always, got to try to neutralize Aaron, uh, Nolan Arenado uh, at, at the three spot. Um, you know, really mix in heavy with a lot of good breaking balls low in the zone today. That's And, you know, fastballs obviously in make him uncomfortable, uh, as uncomfortable as possible. Um, and then for the Dodgers lineup, just just keep hitting. I mean, I Cody, I mean, you I know you were talking about that. Uh, you know, you expect Corey Seager to be, you know, the MVP of the National League. But I mean, the, the numbers that Cody Bellinger is putting up so far this year. I, I think that he's taken I, – I think that he's definitely taken a jump towards that. Uh, you know, his uh, his swing just – it looks night and day from what it was last year. It just looks so much more compact. He's staying on the ball better. His swing looks shorter. Uh, and he's he's driving the ball with much more authority on a consistent at-bat basis. Yeah, I think he's already over his sophomore slump. And with that being said, when I look at the NL West standings, the Padres ended up losing. That was good. That helps my Dodgers out. And Adam Wainwright today pitched. A tremendous ball game. The, I'm kind of surprised on how the Padres have been looking this year. Six and four record. Tatis had a home run in St. Louis, which I thought that was a majestic shot. But also, I want to get your take on the behavior of, of uh, MLB umpire Ron Culpa when he ejected A.J. Hinch in, the, in that game against the Rangers. What were your thoughts on that, on the behavior of Mr. Culpa? Um. I, I I was shocked. All AJ Hinch was doing. Um, was I I don't wanted, think he was just want, he was just doing his thing. That's all. Yeah, I I honestly I have not seen an umpire so fixated on trying to show up a manager ever in like in a very very long time at, at least. I mean that was just absolutely ridiculous. I mean your job on the field is to you know focus up on the game. AJ Hinch is just protecting his guys in the dugout. Um, you know, obviously he had to kind of take the uh, he had to kind of take the brunt of, of Ron Culpa's, uh, I, I guess, meltdown is, is 
I, I don't even know if I, I don't know what it really was. It was almost kind of like he was kind of just so fixated on showing up the dugout and kind of just showing that, you know, he was the man on the field that he I, he just got so distracted from the game. And it's really embarrassing, to be quite honest, because, you know, you should not be so heavily focused on the interaction between you and the dugout if you're an MLB umpire. I mean, it's just it, – honestly, the best way I can use to describe it, like I said, it's just embarrassing. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of people – a lot of reporters are like, they need to discipline him. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, that's absolutely unacceptable. I, I First of all, let me just say this. I don't think there was really anything in the Astros dugout that they were doing that was so bad. I mean, uh, they they obviously reacted very in a, uh, you know, in, in a very excited way when he called that one pitch a strike. But other than that, there really wasn't anything insane going on that would warrant an umpire to, you know, go at, at a dugout like that. And the pitch hit the dirt. That should have been called a ball. Yeah, first, so it was, so yeah, not only that, you know, it was, it was called a ball, you know, the, the, you know, the, the players are going to react how they will, but don't make it, if you're an umpire and you make an error in a call, and I, I'm sure what his argument probably was is that, you know, it, it crossed the strike zone in the air. But look, if a ball bounces in the dirt, a ball bounces in the dirt. Don't call that a strike. That's ridiculous. He That's also just bad umpire. But then on top the of Astros hitting coach with AJ Hinch. Yeah, yeah, who who I don't actually think was doing anything at all from what I was looking at at the video. It looked kind of just more like a sort of, you know, giant cluster of, of chatter coming from the Astros dugout. I'm not sure what really made him pick out Alex Introne out of everybody. I maybe it was something he said that we didn't hear. I'm not really sure. But I overall, it was just completely ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous when I saw that. I thought that uh, I thought the call was wrong, and I felt like that it, that that Major League Baseball should definitely get, discipline Ron Culpa and give him a hefty fine. But what I'm surprised with these umpires, no, I, yeah. Major League Baseball should already discipline Angel Hernandez for his uh, bad cat tactics. Yeah, I mean, he, he should have been disciplined, obviously, such a long time ago. Uh, you know, he he's just like you and I have talked about multiple times, obviously, arguably the worst umpire in baseball. But I, I think that they're, uh, you know, along the lines of finding umpires and things like that. I think that that should be a more frequent thing because I feel like now the MLB umpires aren't being held as accountable for their actions. And I think that if they allow something like the Ron Culpa incident to just kind of go and they don't really do anything about it. It's going to kind of give this precedent to umpires that they have the freedom to kind of just, you know, target dugouts in the way that Ron Culpa did and nothing, you know, th- there's not going to be any consequences. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then I saw he was, he was still working a game when the Red Sox are playing the Diamondbacks and uh, I, and the Red Sox really don't re- like Ron Culpa to be honest. No, they, no, no, they do not. And, you know, I ha- honestly, can't really blame him. Not a huge fan, especially after what I saw against the Astros. But, um, you know, to me, him working that game says that uh, says that Major League Baseball is basically just going to let that incident go, which I think is a bad thing because it's going to set up a, a dangerous precedent uh, for allowing these umpires to just kind of, um, you know, belittle dugouts the way that Ron Colba did. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, that was from what I saw was terrible. I'm also hoping that one of these games that Mark Wagner doesn't work a Dodger game because every time he's behind the plate, and if he does something wrong, I would say, "What are you doing, Wagner?" Yeah, he he's he is not a good umpire at all. And you know, what are you doing, Wagner? Is actually a uh, the moment you said that, the first thing that I heard was Hawk Harrelson. Yeah, and uh, I was at the Dodger game last week. I was going to tell you how that went. Uh, it was mm-hmm. in the it was in the top of the ninth when I was kind of mad at uh, Alfonso Marquez, who was behind the plate. His strike zone was kind of off when I was there. He was okay. working the plate uh, that day. Oh, uh, was he? I'm huh, I'm sure you were probably having fits the whole entire time. Yeah, and uh, Bumgar- I saw Bumgarner yelling at trying to argue with Alfonso Marquez too about his uh, strike zone. Yeah, I bet, you know, Bumgarner, Bumgarner has a history of doing that with umpires. He did, you know, him and Joe West have that, uh, you know, infamous showdown uh, a couple of years back where they had like a staring match at each other for like a two or three minute period. I, when I was there, I saw Bellinger at a grand slam and I thought that was a good, that was a good one right there. I saw the Dodgers get that insurance run and still even up that series. Yeah, it was a good game for them. Uh, like I said, I love I love what I'm seeing from Cody Bellinger so far this year. Everything just looks it looks smoother. It looks more compact at the plate. He just lo- he looks so he looks like refined in a way. Like you know the swing in it. You know last year during his sophomore slump, you know he was he was stepping in the bucket a lot, looking to try to pull the ball uh, constantly. You know had a really really big uppercut to his swing. Now everything just looks compact. I mean a great example. Um, you know, second, when they were facing uh, Tyler Anderson uh, in, in the first game of the Rocky series, he hit a ball that was about two or three inches inside, almost near his belly button. He pulled his hands inside that ball really well and shot that out to right field for a home run. I mean, it was a tremendous piece of hitting. And if, if this was last year and he got that same pitch, he probably would have swung and broken his bat. Yeah, and uh... – and the, and the Dodgers – and that's – I think he's one of the reasons why the Dodgers are off to a very good start this year. And also, other news was regarding the Rockies. Daniel Murphy's on the DL, and I think they just placed Tyler Anderson on the disabled list too. I think it's because of his knee. And uh, Anderson did not pitch well on Friday. Uh, John Gray pitched good until the sixth and seventh inning. And then Chad Bettis is a pitcher that the Dodgers know how to hit off of. Yeah, Chad Bettis is a guy that they should feast off of in this game. I expect this to be a pretty high-scoring game is a good uh, for pitcher, the Dodgers. He's, he's sometimes he's just a hit-and-miss pitcher. Yeah, he is. Um, I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that his fastball is pretty flat. Um, and when you have a guy like Bettis where you know he's throwing mid-90s but that fastball's flat, if he doesn't have that location uh, on a particular day, you leave that pitch over the plate. I don't care how hard it is any hitter is going to be able to hit a flat fastball. It's very different when you have guys, uh, you know, that have some two-seam run to it. They have a little bit of cut, maybe some sink, because you can at least compensate throwing pitchers over, the, you know, missing over the middle of the play with that little bit of movement that can throw hitters off. Yeah, and uh, I think I, I think, I, I think that's the only team that he has struggles with, but except for, like, say if he faces the Giants or the Diamondbacks, I think he pitches pretty well against the Diamondbacks or the Giants. Yeah, usually, but, you know, obviously you're facing a much higher power. And he doesn't pitch well at Dodger Stadium, too. No, usually not. But, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, he's facing a much high power, much more high-powered offense uh, for the Dodgers. And the Rockies looking for uh, answers on offense when I looked, when I noticed them. Because I thought they were looking for answers when they returned home and thinking like the Coors Field air would help help their offense. When yesterday I saw David Dole hit a home run Friday, Trevor Story hit two homers. 
Yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna catch up. Um, you know, offensively, you can always pretty much count on the Rockies uh, every single year to be one of those teams that's gonna be one of the highest scoring teams in the league. They're pro- you know really last year it was offense and no bullpen, um, and you know kind of shaky starting pitching a little bit, especially down the stretch. But if they can, I, I think they'll be able to figure out their offense. Especially you know for I, I don't know if they do you know if they're gonna have a, like a consistent stay. At home, like, is there is this like a big home stand coming up for them? Obviously, past the Dodgers. Um, I'll look right now. The Dod- the Rockies. This is their first home series of the season because they were on the road. They were in Florida for the first two series of the season. Um, they actually they have the Atlanta Braves coming up for for Monday, and then the Rock San Francisco Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then. They'll play a two-game series with the Padres in San Diego. Okay. Okay. Um, the so they're mostly the just – Rockies don't play each other is in June. So they play each other twice in June the next time these two teams face off. Okay. All right. Um, so they're going to – I think they'll be able to figure it out um, offensively. You know, offensively, that was a shot that Dahl hit. Um, you know, stories coming around, obviously. I think once they get everybody going – um, they, they need to jump, you know, get Arenado obviously fully, you know, full steam ahead because he, he's, you know, pretty much the anchor, uh, for that offense. I offensively, I'm not worried about the Rockies. They'll be able to figure it out. I'm just more so worried about the pitching, especially the bullpen, if that can hold up all year long. Yeah. Especially if Brian, Brian Shaw could have a bounce back year. Obviously, you know what you're going to get from, uh, Wade Davis and then, and then, uh, Mike Dunn is okay, but not great. Scott Oberg had a nice year last year. But I think this – I'm not really worried about the Rockies' offense, but it's more their pitching. Yeah, the pitching is really the – you know, really the thing that, uh, you know, concerns but, me. Because Bud Black I, knows how to, how, to, uh, how to manage good pitching because he used to be a pitcher before, and he's one of the best pitching coaches when he was an angel. Yeah, he was a pitching coach with the angel, obviously. The angels, um, you know, he obviously with, you know, was on the Padres. He's seen some good pitchers, had a young Matt Latos – uh, obviously worked with Jake Peavy in his prime. He knows how to handle pitching. I'm, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned Wade Davis, you know what you're going to get out of him. Finding that other guy to kind of bridge the gap to Wade Davis is the thing that I'm concerned about. If they can, I prime candidate for this, like you said, Brian Shaw, if he can figure it out, then I think they will be okay. Uh, but they got to, you know, they, they got to tighten up that pitching as they go along. Yeah, and also another interesting fact when I saw the Dodgers play the Rockies, especially Friday, Josh Fuentes, I didn't know he was Nolan Arenado's cousin. He got his first major league hit. Again. Yeah. And yeah, good for him. Maybe he could be the team's future second baseman so that he could, yeah. he could, play, with, he could play with his cousin in the yeah, starting, I think in that the would, starting group. Also, you know, they that have would be really cool. Rodgers, too. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers, that kid is a beast. I can't wait for him to come up. He's a, you know, still pretty young, um, but w- once he comes up, that in, you know, that infield with him in it, you know, him story, Arenado, and then if uh, Fuentes can kind of establish himself somewhere, that that would be, that would be a nasty. Or infield when to have. Ryan McMahon comes back, since he just got placed on the injured list, I saw that play when uh, Pollock hit him in the hand. Yeah, that was a rough one, but you know, I once he comes back. Uh, that just going to continue to add to that offensive depth that the Rockies seemingly have Kelly every single is year. With an injury too of his own, but I'm not worried about Joe Kelly. I I, I think Joe Kelly will be a, a a key piece to the back end of the Dodgers bullpen once he uh, yeah, gets I his think mind J- right. 
Yeah, Joe Kelly will be fine. I mean, like like I mentioned last week, you know, his arm. I mean, obviously now he's uh, on the injured list, but for the most part, his arm and his body have looked good. The ball's coming out of his hand nice. He just has to, you know, get that location back. Uh, and and once he's able to do that, he'll be he'll be right back there with Kenley Jansen. Um, you know, have being a dominant bullpen again. Absolutely. And I also saw this. I didn't want to, I wanted to tell you this is uh, that Andy Green. Well, Ken Rosenthal put Andy Green, the Padres manager, on the hot seat. And I don't because I think Andy Green is going to take it to the next level, you know? That's interesting. I um, he put Andy I Green don't agree. There, the Padres manager. I don't agree. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I think that um, – I, I, I think he would – I think the Padres would be kind of remiss uh, if they were to n- not allow him to kind of try – and, you know, especially now that they just got Machado, like, see how that, and they just uh, you know, that culture goes. Yeah, I, yeah, that wouldn't, I, that doesn't make any sense that they would, why would they, because why would they extend him if they were planning on maybe, you know, thinking about firing him at the end of the year? That doesn't really make any sense to me. I think they have confidence in, you know, first year with Machado, let's try to build towards something and then maybe, I think maybe next year, if it doesn't work out, then I'd probably put him on the hot seat. Yeah, let's. I think Andy Green is right now the uh, Andy Green is the right manager for what the Padres are doing. Good young mind. Yeah. And uh, in his first year, didn't go as planned. Second year, it just, they continued to get younger. I think when they got Eric Cosmer, I think it started to get a little bit better down in uh, down in San Diego. I think so. Um, I I just think right now, you know, I I need Andy Green to kind of just continue to help build the culture with the young guys. And, you know, Hosmer, like you mentioned, a veteran guy, that really helps uh, to be able to do that. Now you bring in Machado. I think that they need to kind of see how this plays out, especially with the young guys allowing them to develop. Um, so I, I don't I don't like the idea of Andy Green on the hot seat. I think he I think he gets a little bit more time. Yeah, I, I, he'll get more time. I think I, I like Andy Green, though, and I think this Padres team is looking really good and uh, I can't wait for when the Dodgers play them next next month in May since the Dodgers don't play the Padres in April, you know. Yeah, I I think they're I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. I think they're heading in the yeah, right direction. Especially too, especially Tatis who we predict to be rookie of the year, but what we're waiting next is Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s arrival because the Blue Jays aren't not, aren't playing very well right now, not because it's Montoyo's fault. I just feel like that since trading away Kendrick Morales, they're looking for that spark on on the in the lineup. In the middle of the order. Yeah, they don't really have yeah, they don't have that one go to guy in the middle of the order that can bring that presence for yeah, them every Kevin night. Was uh, Morales was kind of that guy. Yeah, I didn't really understand that, especially because they kind of got, you know, some mid-level relievers and then, uh, you know, like a like a backup infielder. That didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me yeah, either. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense either. And also, uh, before we close out our MLB show to move on to the MLB, I also want to get your take on the Reds and Pirates role. And then Yasiel Puig was trying to get to the uh, – was trying to get to Chris Archer. Okay, so here is here is my take on this. Everybody, I, I feel like this has been such a cemented thing. The old school, you know, we don't like bat flips. Uh, you know, we're we, we're against showing emotion. We don't like showing up other teams. Here's it was here's when, what I'm uh, going to say. Derek Dietrich hit that home run if, off of Chris Archer, and then he uh, stared at him. Yes. Yes. First of all, that was an absolute moonshot. Um, but here's here's the other, here's the thing I'm going to say about that. 
if you don't want somebody to celebrate, then don't give up a home run. Don't beat them. If you don't want somebody to show emotion, beat them. And this is, and what's very interesting about this is that of all the people to get mad about somebody showing emotion and pimping a home run, it's Chris Archer. Because Chris Archer, one of the things that I know about him, obviously he has great stuff, but one of the things that I know about him is that he is a very outwardly emotional person, especially on the mound. He's one of those guys that'll walk around the mound and, you know, dance on it. He'll get strikeouts. He'll kind of, you know, he walks off with swagger. He chirps at people. And I have absolutely no problem with that. I think that, it, you know, hitting major league pitching is so incredibly difficult that if you hit a home run off of somebody, you should pimp it. Who cares? And if you have a problem with it, beat them next time in the next at bat or just, you know, and don't give up home runs. If you don't want somebody to celebrate, then beat them at whatever it is. You're yeah. Doing. And Puig tried and Puig got to, I think Puig was trying to run and attack Chris Archer. And then he ended up getting kicked out of the game along with, uh, along with other other uh, other players that were also involved in this fight. And I think Major League Baseball is going to take a look at this. And, uh, and and I wouldn't be shocked by tomorrow they hand out fines or suspensions. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna jump on this right away. I expect Chris Archer to be suspended for a game. Uh, I expect Yasiel Puig to be suspended for a game. Uh, I think Amir Garrett was ejected as well. I expect him to be suspended for a game. Uh, I think Puig will probably get fined too because he was trying to, st- you know, initiate a contact fight. Um, but there, there should be at least five or six suspensions. Uh, I, I think also it's possible that uh, Reds manager David Bell is probably going to have some sort of a fine. Uh, so there, there's going to be a lot of a lot of discipline handed down in this thing, and I, I just think that it was such an unnecessary. It was the whole mess of it was just so unnecessary. I think that it was just completely. Uh, petty and ridiculous for Archer to throw behind him. Yeah, it reminded me of when Ross Stripling threw behind Stan. I didn't think Stripling meant it, but it was when Syndergaard, and then when Syndergaard threw behind Nutley's back, that's sending a message. No, that that was that was one hundred percent intentional, and I loved every second of it. But when Tom um, you know was that that's. Yeah, that was fun. The I got I got to see the uh, the video of of Tom Hallian and uh, you know Terry Collins going back and forth yelling at each other. That was yeah, I liked it. And then he was saying something to Neil Walker, and then Neil Walker, and then Tom Hallian kind of brushed off Neil uh, Neil's, Neil Neil Walker's question. And then uh, Noah Syndergaard was trying to explain his case to Tom Hallian about why he shouldn't have not gotten thrown out. Yeah, explain the case all you want. We all know you were intentionally throwing at Chase Utley. Noah Syndergaard is kind of petty like that. I, I think we, I think, you know, anybody could tell from a mile away that that was on purpose. So my final MLB thought is looking forward to tonight's Dodger game. And then when, and then continuing to talk about what's happening with the Dodgers and Mets and also talk about when we preview the uh, Dodgers Mets game next month in May. Yeah. My, uh, my final MLB thought of the day is uh, I'm, I love the offense that I'm seeing for the Mets. Uh, Pete Alonzo is continuing to establish himself as a, a prime rookie of the year candidate. But I'm just I, I'm I'm very disappointed in Zach Wheeler today. Seven walks, uh, you know, kind of reverting back to his old ways of, uh, you know, high pitch counts early in the game, not throwing strikes effectively, and it, you know it's a little bit sad to watch. So I hope he turns. He it should around. turn it around. I mean, the Mets bullpen needs to find seventh and eighth. No, the the, the Mets need to find a seventh inning guy. The eighth inning guy is already established with Familia. Familia needs to pick it up. But Edwin Diaz is doing his job so far. Yeah. Yeah, Edward Diaz looks great so far. Uh, I expect Familia to pick it up. 
Uh, I think they're mainly looking at uh, probably Seth Lugo to be that eighth and uh, that seventh inning guy, and then obviously you'll have Justin Wilson uh, probably He's vying Jerry for Blevins that. But back. they need to tighten up that middle. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think Jerry Blevins was nice to have lefty lefty matchups. Um, but you know, I I think that it, I I wouldn't really count on him to be a consistent seventh inning guy because he never really he never really threw well against. Absolutely. Righties. So we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some NFL stuff. <laughs> 